you can get stuck in that though it it, it gets it, it gets monotonous to where you're just doing you're just doing because you you've always done and there's no there's no there's no goal so you guys had the plan of like hey we're gonna work towards this goal and everything that we do is gonna be in alignment with that goal so i think what people should avoid is just going around that cycle waking up going to work coming home you know and repeat without any sort of you know plan and and financial planning is 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 a major one for redeeming that time margin for yourself All right, let's do this. Aaron Rayford, how are you, man? I'm doing great, man. So good to see you. Man, I'm excited to uh, be here. Excited oh, to do this. I'm super excited about it too. Um, well, thanks for joining us this morning. I, I, I know. Well, I don't want to give too much away just yet, but um, yeah, where are you at currently? That's a question. Right now, I'm in Arkansas, and uh, it's this place called Murfreesboro. Oh, Murfreesboro. That's how we've been saying it. And uh, apparently you can dig for diamonds here. So the kids are pretty jazzed about that. Yeah, something tells me (laughs) there's not a lot of diamonds in Arkansas. (laughs) They advertise that you can dig for diamonds. I think my chances of finding some are probably zero. But uh, Well, let me tell you something. I could advertise that you can dig for diamonds anywhere. It doesn't mean you're going to find them. I think that's really good advertising, by the way. <laughs> that's their claim. That's their claim to fame. Digging yeah. for diamonds. That's it. So Murfreesboro, that's interesting because, um, so that's Arkansas, but Murfreesboro, Tennessee is where Noah, Noah Smith that works for Ordinary Men, uh, he's moving to Murfreesboro to do a church plant with uh, Jeremy Pickwell from LifePoint. Uh, but that's, that's awesome. Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So uh, there's a lot of Murfreesboro's apparently. Not far from here, but I think you have to say it like that. Murfreesboro. I think that's how they probably say it. You I'll think there's diamond? It. You think there's diamonds in Tennessee too? <laughs> I don't know. None that, none that you're gonna find. I, I'm pretty sure that's the case in Arkansas as well. Well, hey, want to welcome everyone listening today. As you can tell, we're gonna have a fun podcast. But just want to say I really appreciate your support. And in case you didn't know, you can listen to us on any of the major podcasting platforms such as Apple, Spotify. Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, you can also watch our podcast now on YouTube, which um, I'm not saying that our quality of video is amazing. Currently we're using, uh, what is this? This is Zoom. I wanted to say Google Meet. We're just currently using Zoom, but you can at least see what we look like and and uh, put a face with, with a voice. And uh, in our last podcast, believe it or not, we had almost as many views on YouTube as we did listens on our podcast platform, which really surprised me that, um, people want to just see people talk, but I guess I do the same thing. Uh, do you Aaron? I mean, when you listen to podcasts, do you ever watch them on YouTube? Yeah, it's like a, it's a convenience thing. I think if I have the ability to, to watch, then I do, but a lot of times I'm on the go. So I'm listening if I'm driving and we're, you know, going from state to state, then that's a little convenience factor, but I, I prefer to see people when I can. Yeah. Yeah, I, I catch myself doing the same thing. I don't really watch much of it, but when people start laughing or they'll mention something, I'll you know, I'll look over and it kind of just adds a little something. So maybe that will do the same for our listeners. So if you want, uh, check us out on uh, Ordinary Discussions. That's our channel on YouTube. 
ordinary discussions. And of course, as always, like us, subscribe, rate us, only if it's a five, and um, do all that good stuff so that you can stay connected. And we hope that, that this podcast is more than just an entertainment, but it also points people to Jesus. And so um, let's, let's, uh, let's do our, we can all do our part, hopefully, to, to, to create uh, more, more listeners. So uh, as you guys know, we have a special guest with us today, uh, Aaron Rayford. And uh, Aaron has an awesome story. Uh, our story is intertwined, uh, mine and his, uh, in, in a lot of ways. And so I think you'll find this podcast quite uh, interesting. We're going to, it's going to be a two-part podcast. And the first part, we're going to talk about uh, our relationship in the past, which is, there's a lot of funny in it. And um, there's, there's a lot of cool stories there. So Aaron used to work for me and my business partner, Mark Doherty, in our, in our real estate business. And, and so we'll talk about that and some lessons learned. And then the second part, which will be really exciting, I think, for a lot of you, and very interesting for a lot of people is Aaron and his family have uh, traveled the United States in an RV for the last year. And how long are you going to do that for longer than a year? We, um, we set out to do a year. Um, One of the things that uh, we're learning is flexibility. And so I'm trying not to, especially with last year, 2020, um, kind of not, putting all your eggs in one basket. But I mean, our plan initially was to do a year. Um, and so right now we're six months in on that. Awesome. Well, good. We'll talk a lot about that in, in the second part of the podcast. But um, uh, to, to begin with, I'll just tell you a little about Aaron. Aaron is married to his high school sweetheart, Carrie. And uh, uh, Carrie's father, uh, his name is Mike Jones, uh, is one of my spiritual mentors. And uh, just been an awesome voice in my life. And so Aaron is very fortunate to have him as his father-in-law <clears throat> in my estimation. And, uh, they have four kids, uh, 11, nine, seven, and five. Uh, Aaron owns, uh, multiple businesses with his wife, Carrie out of Fredericksburg, Virginia. If you guys live in that area and you need, um, your kids to learn to swim, they have a business called little fish swimming, uh, which is in multiple locations in the Fredericksburg area. So check them out, give them some support. Uh, he also works in a real estate investment uh, company, uh, building and flipping houses. Um, last year, they uh, completed about 30 projects, which is pretty impressive considering he was on the road for six months of that. Uh, in addition uh, to this, he has a passion for small business marketing and development and works with companies in automating their social media content. So maybe I could help, you could help us maybe in Ordinary Men uh, because I am terrible at social media. Um, and as I said, they're on the road, traveling in an RV. And so, uh, welcome, Aaron. Thanks so much for being a part of this. Yeah, man, it's a pleasure. I'm excited to share, just excited to be a part of Ordinary Men, um, in general, as a part of my story and what God's doing in my life um, over the past year. So, this just makes sense to be a part of uh, this community. And I think uh, I think God's doing really big things. And it's, it's cool to like not really have the whole picture exactly. It's like, um, I was telling someone the other day, like when you open, when you first like dump out a puzzle, like you're like, this looks nothing like what's on the box, you know, but you start kind of putting the pieces together, organizing the color pieces, the end pieces, and the picture starts to become clear. And I feel like that's sort of what God's doing, um, with, with my, with my life, with everyone's life, but specifically with ordinary men too. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, that is, that's awesome. Hey, I do want to point out that um, if people are wondering, yes, you are sitting in a Jeep. 
Um, I am. I, I'm inside of our, our Wrangler because inside the RV is a little bit <laughs> noisy. We've, we've got you mean four kids? Four kids and a golden retriever. So that's not a good look when they're doing homeschool and all that to have some peace and quiet. So oh, I didn't know you had a dog on the trip too. Yes. And you guys are you guys are really doing it. It's, it's wild, man. Yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. So the question I have is is the Wrangler attached to the RV or is it unattached? Um, so we pull it behind. So it's one of the only vehicles that you can pull behind the particular RV that we have. Yeah. But it's been great to pop into town because you don't want to drive a big RV to everywhere you go. Oh, yeah. So having a quick, you know, to and from vehicles. No, no. I mean like run. right now as you sit in the RV. Oh. No, 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 no. Okay. It's detached. That would have been um, really cool. <laughs> <laughs> People would be like, why is that dude sitting in the back of his car attached to the RV? That would have been epic. Yeah, we're in right now to our next location. I decided to, uh, you know, lock myself in the tow vehicle and Carrie's driving the RV. I think I would probably, if my wife and I were doing an RV trip, we would probably take turns at who got to sit in the back in quiet. Yeah, in the tow vehicle. That's funny. We haven't done that yet. Challenge accepted. <laughs> So one thing, um, even the people that may know uh, Aaron to some extent may not know, but Aaron was a Fredericksburg Idol winner in what two thousand? Oh what was that? Two thousand ten? <laughs> when were you? When were you the Idol winner? I don't know. I think it was 2010, 2009. I don't know. Yeah, there are there are only a few people in my life that like had you know, a firsthand look at that stage of life where I was pursuing, um, things like that. And you are one of them. And I never like hands down everybody that I, that, that witnessed that period, they're always like, Hey man, it's the bird idol. And I'm just like, Oh man. No, that on. was really amazing. So it was during the time when, not that I don't know if American idol is a big deal anymore or not. I assume it still is probably, but it was when it was really a big deal. Um, and, they had a local, yeah. yeah, they had a local uh, competition called Fredericksburg Idol, and Aaron won it, which was really was cool. But I'll tell you what was an epic fail. You were working for me then, and I don't think we had a party for you. I don't think we, we did, I mean, I don't think we did anything. That was an epic fail, but there's a reason why, and we'll talk about it. I don't think we had time. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very busy, and I was squeezing in, you know, things like that and trying to... Uh, you know, pursue, pursue music in that way. And, uh, it's much different now. The way I have time for music now, it's a lot different than, uh, singing competitions in Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> I got off the stage after uh, it was like the finals night and I got off the stage and like, just to give anyone listening context, like, you know, people were like, great job, man. Great job, man. And then some of the other like contestants, parents were there and, you know, yeah, I was going up against like some kids and like, it was just like so bizarre. And one of the dads was like, I think you won because of your dance moves. So <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. Oh, you were well, dancing too? I had some dance songs in there. You know, oh. you had to be versatile. You couldn't just do one thing. You had to, that was, I had a little secret recipe, but. Man, I'm sorry I missed that. <laughs> Not been a while. sort of sorry I missed it. Well, it's a shame you were married during that time because the the ladies would have been swimming over you, man. <laughs> Fredericksburg Idol. 
I, it was definitely a time where I was pursuing attention in the wrong way. I was like, man, let me just, I was, you know, get, get my music in front of people and all this stuff. And, uh, it was actually a time. That's why like, I kind of like look at that time, like with, you know, a, a head hang a little bit. Cause like I was pursuing the wrong things. And, uh, so it was great, great accomplishment, but for, but for what it wasn't for, it wasn't for God. It was for me. So that felt like bittersweet almost looking back on it, but lessons learned. And I think everything that you go through, everything you experience kind of as a part of your story that, that how God's bringing you into who he wants you to be. So, you know, I still love music, but I still love writing, recording, performing, whatever, but it's in the context of honoring God and honoring my family first and uh, good times. Yeah. Good, good memory. Well, that's cool. I, I, I love the second part of that. Um, and, and I, I wouldn't hang your head over. I mean, I wouldn't have mentioned it if I would have, <laughs> if I knew it was a time you didn't want to talk about. I actually think it was really cool and I, I'm proud of you yeah. for it, but I do, yeah. I do resonate with that same, um, looking for my own glory, uh, pursuing something for, for the wrong reasons. Uh, and it, it, I, I look back on those seasons of my life as well. And it's like, I don't, I'm not ashamed of it, but there, but there are definitely times when you realize that, that your pursuit was wrong. And I think it's awesome that God is so gracious that he shows us that. And he still, uh, he still loves us no matter, no matter what. So 100, 100%. And I think that's around the time, I mean, it's good context though, because that's around the time that we met. Um, I think we met, like I, I was working construction in Northern Virginia making that commute. And I think it was when like sort of the market started to um, turn and work was scarce for some of the remodelers up North. And um, I was working for my dad and he had to let me go. Um, so I got my thinking cap on and called my father-in-law and asked him if he had any suggestions or anything and knew that you were busy, um, doing things. I didn't know really what at the time. And I literally called you from the job site and was just like, Hey, I got your number from my father-in-law. And, you know, he said that you're, you're doing things and there may be opportunity and love to meet. I think, I think we met and, um, you know, started working sort of on the construction side of things. And that's kind of how we, our paths initially crossed was employee and employer relationship. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm going to dive into that before I do that though, cause I don't want to miss the opportunity to talk a little bit about OM. Um, pretty cool. Uh, Sean Landa Lando, which is your group leader is mm-hmm. in town right now. And so yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually having, uh, I'm actually, I'm meeting him after he gets done skiing today. I would be skiing with him, but I had Achilles surgery four or five weeks ago that I'm still trying to let heal. But, um, yeah, so we're going to, we're going to meet up after skiing and hang out for a little bit. And then tomorrow night, Victoria, which is his wife, which leads an ordinary women's group. They're kind of a powerhouse couple. He's leading an ordinary men's group and she's leading an ordinary women's group. We're going to so go out cool. to dinner with my wife, Jessica and, 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 and catch up. So that's pretty cool. I'm having a podcast with you today and I get to hang out with your leader tonight. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, it was glad to hear that he was on the set. I said, where are you? He's like, oh, I'm in Beaver Creek. I was like, oh man, I'm so jealous. Like I want to <laughs> get back on the slope so bad. Yeah. Well, you're welcome anytime, Aaron, as you know, but, um, yeah. So how is OM for you so far? I mean, what's your experience? You're what four, six months in something like that. Yeah. Um, I think somewhere around that it started just before I took the trip. So maybe in June, um, and I was able to meet in person, um, you know, for about a month 
and get connected with some really great guys and all of us just kind of in pursuit of relationship with um, Jesus on a deeper level. And I think relationship with one another as well. Um, that kind of takes time. You get like a room full of guys, all different backgrounds, all different interests, all different uh, stages of life almost. But the common denominator is just wanting to honor God and, um, and be good leaders for our families and our children and, um, and make an impact on people around us. So I see that as a common thread um, in our group. Uh, it's fun. There's a lot of characters. There's a lot of uh, jokes, lighthearted, um, which is cool. It's been, made it easy to connect. And I think it it's it almost seems like you know we're we're building momentum up to something more as well. And yeah. um, a part of the process is, I guess, f- figuring that out as you do the curriculum and um, learning kind of how the duplication process works and how to make an impact on you know not just not just the problems that I have to deal with in my life, but also be able to lead other people in the future. So um, it's been really cool. It's been a cool thing to commit to, to kind of have that discipline worked in, especially from the road, like making time for it, making sure you have internet um, access and making sure you're, you know, on, you know, we have time for everything uh, that we, that we want to make time for. And so it's been a good thing to make time for this year for sure. Yeah, I think that's great. I, it, it just highlights one of the um, um, one of the strengths of ordinary men is that uh, we can do it via video. We can we can do it in person. We can do it hybrid. So that, that's why COVID it has hurt us a bit. I think COVID hurt us more in the intentional relationship piece and getting and doing meetups. Like I wanted to do some meetups in the Fredericksburg region where we get all the groups together. <clears throat> it obviously stifled that a bit. But for the most part, uh, other than uh, people putting off starting groups waiting for hopefully COVID to pass, which I, I think we should just start groups. And if they start out in video and we go to person later when we feel more comfortable, that's what we should do. But um, we yeah. can always find a reason to put it off. But either way, other than a few of that, th- those scenarios, I really think uh, COVID hasn't really affected as much. And, and even like in your example, you can commit to doing something uh, because of technology and the use of technology that you could otherwise have not have committed to. And you can still be committed in it. And I've, I found that for myself, like uh, when I was leading a group, uh, we were in Maui in October. And so now does it take some sacrifice and commitment? Sure. But I would do it for any other, th- I would do it for business. I would do it for all those other things in my life. I, I get up early to hunt, <laughs> you know, I get up early to do the things I, I enjoy. So I think I had to get up at three thirty or three or in the morning or something in Maui because of time change. Um, yeah. but you know what? It, maybe it was four. I don't remember, but I had to get up either way. It was really early. But it was great mm-hmm. because I, I, I still had that, as you would say, I still had that discipline in my life. I still had that commitment in my life. And it was really one of the best days of vacation because I was able to get up and then I was able to spend time in the Lord and I got to see the sunrise and, and all those things. And so for me, it's been really cool adding the technology into, into what we do. And so tell me this, what is, um, and then we'll transition into some of our story here in business, but if you, if you had, I'm putting you on the spot, I know, but if you had to say like one study that stuck out to you the most so far, what would you, what would you say? Um, yeah, you are putting me on the spot. Um, you know, we're diving into, we're diving into a section where we're all going to get a chance to kind of lead, um, and share, um, sort of a, 
uh, a particular study like ourselves, yeah. like sort of there's been kind of a format where there's like the leader um, and we kind of interact with the material. But um, early on there was like a, a, a book that we kind of dove into a little bit that I forget the guy's name. He's uh, he's does, he writes a lot. I think it's a Chinese guy. Oh yeah. Francis Chan. Um, no, not Francis Chan. Uh, Watchman Nee. No, not Watchman. Yeah, nee. Watchman Nee. I mean, that book in particular, just simplifying sort of the the Christian life. I think it's called that. Like, what normal, is it called? Normal Christian life. Yep. Normal Christian life um, has really been a blessing. And I'm a slow reader, but you know, for anyone else out there who is like, I uh, hate reading. I'm like all in with you on that. But to kind of have the flexibility within the group to slowly you know study at your own pace kind of discuss it at your own pace the normal christian life by watchman me that section in particular was refreshingly simple like sort of like uh shining a light on something that you already kind of knew of um but phrasing it in a new way and so um i'm still i'm still finishing that book like i'm i'm that slow but um you know, it's, 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 it's just been cool to connect. It's been cool to connect and be in relationship with other people pursuing the same thing. That's the biggest takeaway so far. I say, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That, that book is not one that you read fast. <laughs> I, I don't, even yeah. if you're a fast no. reader, I think uh, you have to read it two or three times to get it or read it slow the first time. Uh, to me, I, I would say the same thing. It's truths that I've been taught my entire Christian life. And it was like, Almost like uh, I always like to do analogies. I'm never good at them, but it was almost like I was I was looking at these <laughs> these subjects through like dirty lenses or fogged out lenses. You know, like when I have a mask on with COVID now and I have sunglasses on, like my my I'm always fogged up in my sunglasses, and and then like when you take your sunglasses off and clean them and and put them back on, you can like see it clear. Like you could see it before, but then you can really see it. And to me, that's yeah. what that book did for me and my faith around like the blood and the cross and, and, mm-hmm. and what are those things like, what does it mean to be born again? And then the spirit, soul, flesh. And like, there was a lot of, uh, life giving moments for me in that book. And that's why it was so important to add it into ordinary men's study. And so I hear that from a lot of men that, that, that the watchman knee stuff, as much as I also get pushback that it's a hard book to read and, and it's difficult but of course, my answer to that is, well, we're in a high challenge, high grace environment. Like you, you, this is a high challenge environment. This is not patty cake. So yeah, we're going to yeah, read yeah. some stuff that may challenge you. But I think once people finally get past that initial, like, oh, this is kind of hard to read. Um, it is extremely life-giving. So that's cool. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Well, hey, let's jump yeah. into, so here, here's the deal with, with Aaron. So Aaron spoke about before he, how old were you when you took the job with us? I mean, you had to be early 20s. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I was 21, maybe. Yeah, I think that puts it in perspective, the type of guy Aaron is, because I think back when I was 21, let's not talk about that. <laughs> I was in college. Um, I, I certainly wasn't holding down a full-time job doing what he was doing. And so uh, Aaron came on to work for Mark and I when we were at the height of busyness and the height of, um, of work and what we did. I'm not going to say it was the, the most... I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying it's the highest earning time we have, but it was definitely the, 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 the craziest time in business that I've ever been in. And I don't ever want to go back. And I think Aaron would say the same. (laughs) 
Uh, and I'll put it in perspective. So Aaron came to work for us and in the beginning he was doing uh, in-house sales. So what we were doing is buying and selling houses, uh, foreclosures, pre-foreclosures, distressed real estate. This was like in 2008 when everything was crashing. Like we were just buying stuff left and right and some really bad stuff. Like, like people that watch TV, and I know you're probably listening to this right now and think that I'm full of it, but people watch TV and see these flipping shows. I'm telling you, it's nothing compared to what we did. I mean, nothing. Uh, we, I don't know that I had the personality and we didn't have the time to do a TV show, but I know that what we did would have made a much better TV show than any TV show out there. I mean, we had the craziest houses, the craziest hoarders, like dog infested, cat infested. It was unbelievable. And we were buying at that time, 20 plus houses a month. Okay. So Aaron started out as in-house sales and then he moved to, and this is really the, the, most of what he did, but then he moved to being a project manager for construction. And so uh, we, when I say we were doing 20 plus houses a month, that means we were buying them and selling them. So, it, you know, that's 40 transactions plus in a month because you had to, everything you bought, you had to sell. And if you're not selling what you buy three months later, like we were, our goal was to fix things up in 90 days. Again, unheard of. I don't know how we did it here. I honestly, to this day, I don't know how we did it or how you did it, especially. Um, well, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really know either. And I know it, it became like clear, like to me, like, well, this is like a lot, this is a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Um, you know, I kind of went from like working for my dad, like per hour to brief introductory to sales. Jeremy, I don't know if you remember this. I think it was you, you gave me like a little, you gave me a little, uh, you know, lesson on like sales and like folders. Like you were like, here's your 12 folders. And like, Oh yeah. Is that, yeah, I think that, that actually worked. That actually worked really well. It was it yeah, was twelve so folders 12 and then thirty months, folders. 12 months, 12 yeah. folders. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if they don't want to buy like now, then you know, ask them when and put them in a folder. And so, I mean, I'm sure we do all that electronically now. I don't need no folders like sitting around. But um, and then it was like, oh, because of some of my knowledge in construction, then I became a candidate for this project management thing where I kind of went into the crucible with like <laughs> uh, your partner, Mark. And, um, and he gave me like some crazy training. Like, like I felt like that was like my boot camp. Like I'm not a military guy. Like, but if I went to any boot camp, it was, it was Mark's boot camp. Um, <laughs> well, Hey, I listen, none of us were perfect in that time. Uh, myself either. But, and Mark would be the first to admit it. So I'm not throwing him under the bus. I mean, trust me, we were all trying our best and it, we were, it, we, all of us were in over our heads that by the grace of God, we somehow came out smelling like roses. But, uh, I, Mark was not a, a real easy person to, to work for at that time. I mean, I, and again, I'm not throwing him under the bus when you're, when, when, cause I was in charge of purchases and sales and Mark was in charge of fix up and getting them to market. So the second, uh, I would, I would get them closed. I'd hand the property off to Mark. Mark would work with you. You guys would, and I would, I would help on some houses. I probably was like 30% of the houses and then 70% were you and Mark, but because we all had, it was all hands on the deck, all, all hands on deck. And then the second they were done, then it would come over to me. I would get them listed. I'd work through the sales process. I'd work through the home inspection repairs, all those things and get them closed. But I mean, we were in over our heads, man. I mean, when I say that people probably listen and think that I'm exaggerating. We were legitimately doing 220 to 250 flips a year consistently for multiple years. Yeah. yeah. I was driving around all day looking at properties, um, 
checking on the progress on the phone, phone ringing all day. Mm, I don't miss it. Almost to Carrie was, you know, Hey, it's, you know, dinner time, whatever family time. It was wild. It was wild. But it was like, it was definitely like a training ground. And in the moment, like uh, just full full circle and giving it to you straight, like real, I was in over my head as well. Like in that position, like however many months in, it was like, it was like, okay, like my experience is like this far, but it, but in order to manage the amount of work that's going on, I needed to have a lot more life experience and maturity. Um, and so, yes, it was hard. Yes. Mark was, you know, you know, he, he knew what needed to be done mm-hmm. and he like was like, Hey, this is my expectation. And like, you know, sometimes I'm down here and like, I own that like multiple times where I, I knew what I needed to do, but it was like, I just was too young and too like not goal driven. And also I buck against authority. So it's like, if I, if I meet another strong person, you know, you know, sometimes like it doesn't go well, but I think I've grown in that a lot. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, I don't think you still buck against authority. I think, and I I didn't really notice it at that time, but if you did, it's something you've definitely grown out of. I've had to, like, I, I mean, back, back in high school, I was like going to be kicked out my 10th grade year. Cause I was, I, I was too bad. Like my ninth grade year. So it's just, God has like given me lessons in humility along the way. Um, but I'm thankful for all of the lessons that I learned with you and with Mark. And it was, it was in those moments, even like the times where I was like, Oh man, this is hard. This is difficult. Why, why am I doing this? Why, you know, why is this so hard? full circle now being on the other side of it and knowing what that was preparing me for is just God's was just God's provision at that time. Um, you don't know why you're going through difficult times until the other side, you know, sometimes God gives you kind of that full picture and that reason. And for me, I have used so much of what you guys taught me there. Um, that's not to like puff you up or puff Mark up or whatever, but it's just like a testimony for, um, I guess for anybody else who's, who's in the thick of anything that, that God, God has a plan and a purpose for your life and, um, and to kind of continue to seek him for it. So it was a lot, it was a lot of learning that happened there. Yeah, I agree. And as, as I talk about it with you, I'm just self-reflecting back on it. And the interesting thing, and uh, I, I say this not to, to pat myself on the back because of course I wasn't perfect in that time. I, my, my rhythm of life was out of whack and there was things that weren't good. <clears throat> and, 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 but I, but again, I, I think there's, I think there's in, in anyone's level, uh, in anyone's journey to success in an area of life, there's a level of sacrifice. I think the, the, the big piece of that is I was willing to sacrifice some time, some stress, some energy. Um, my kids were super young then. Um, you know, I was willing to sacrifice some of that for what I felt like was a greater good. But there was a point where I, I knew when the time came, if I wasn't where I wanted to be financially, then it was just, you know, tough, tough luck. Yeah. You know, you got to slow, but you got to pull back. But, but anyhow, I, I, I'm going on a tangent a little bit, but the one thing that I do remember about Mark and I, and this is again, a not a pat on the back. And I say this because some people listening right now are, are it almost like is glorified in our current society. Like, Oh man, they're doing all these houses and flips and they were making all this money and they were, they were killing it and they were burning it both ends of the wick. And man, that's like the American business dream or something. Right. Well, okay. I, it, but I hear that from people 
And then they use the fact that they're so busy that they don't have time for God. And the one thing that I do know about Mark and I during that time is we always had time for God. We always had Wednesday prayer sessions at the office. I was still leading a small group at church. I was still at church on Sundays. We were still taking a Sabbath every Sunday. And, and, and then you would say, well, how are you doing 20 plus flips? And again, I just want to make sure that's really clear. When I say 20, that, that means you have to buy 20 and sell 20. It's 40 transactions a month. There's people that don't do that in two years. And again, it's not a pat on my back. It's only by the grace of God that we're able to do it. But my point is that even through all that, there were areas that we cheated. But I don't think we ever, ever, I don't think we we cheated greatly in our faith. We I always, and I think Mark would say the same thing, I always made sure that we had time for that. And I just want to say that to, to businessmen or women listening. It's like, and this isn't about ordinary men, but I'll just put it in context of ordinary men. I often hear at times like, well, I'm growing my business. I don't have time to lead a group. Well, I would say you're growing your business. You don't have time not to lead a group. <laughs> like you have to stay grounded during these times or else that's when you get off the rails. That's, that's when you, you come off the tracks. And yeah. Um, so anyhow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think like it's good perspective. Like I've heard, I've heard some people say like at a, I think it was a Christian business conference one time, like you can't, you can't win at the office and then be, be taking a loss at, at home. And I think similarly, you can't, um, as, at least spiritually, like if you're, if your priorities are right. And then, you know, similarly, you can't be like crushing it, like at work and having a, a major deficit spiritually, because at the end of the day, like you don't know when your time is up and like, I don't want to be like, if I do have the ability to uh, live all the way, you know, to, to 90 and be on my deathbed. Like I don't, I want the people around me that I love and care about the most to, to be there with me. And, and I don't want, you know, things that pass away or that, that rust or, you know, or get eaten by moth, um, you know, to, to be the things that I cared about the most. So um, it's, it's, it's a good perspective check, I think. Yeah. And, and this is an opinion. Uh, people would probably disagree with me and that's fine. I, I, I do believe this though. I, I think, uh, just as a warning to, to those that are pushing in business and pursuing, you know, earthly treasures, I, I don't think that that's necessarily wrong. Uh, I think having your heart right around it is very important. But, but I think you, it's, it's important that we talked about rhythm uh, with a previous podcast with John Chandler. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, uh, it's a couple back. But um, John Chandler runs Uptick, and he uses life shapes. And it's a semicircle, he calls it. And um, it talks about rhythm of life. And there's rhythm in seasons or rhythm in the day. There's, and listen to the podcast, and it'll make a lot more sense. I don't have to re- rehash the whole thing. But I think there's, there's also rhythm in... Um, I guess it would be seasons of life. And so my point is, if, if you're going to pursue something, it, I, I think it's okay to cheat in areas of your life for a season, be that two to three, four years, something like that. Because it does take, it does take a, a huge commitment and a huge sacrifice to reach certain milestones in life, okay? But you have to know that at the end of that season that you set up, if you haven't reached it, you got to get back to a, a normalcy and stop cheating in the areas that really matter. And so, mm-hmm. again, I, I, I know people could push back on this, and, and, and I'm sure I could be argued out of this, but, but I, I feel strongly that 
just like anything in life, there's a sacrifice that's needed to achieve something. But but you better put some parameters around that sacrifice or else what you'll find is, like I see men and women uh, all, all throughout everywhere I go, is they never put a parameter around that sacrifice and then they end up sacrificing their entire life. And they mm-hmm. look back and it's like, man, I, I, I just kept pursuing money at, at the expense yeah. of everything else. And yeah. I think that's a scary thing if you don't watch it. Yeah. And I would say that anybody that's listening, like, I don't know if this is, you know, I feel like there could be people who feel that way now, but there, there's still ample time. You know, it's like, if you're, if you woke up today, like today's the opportunity to, to, to write whatever wrongs you feel or take a step in the right direction. Like for me, relationships have been a big theme, um, which is a big part of this RV journey. Um, that we're doing with the family. But I think it was like a few years ago, I just realized like, I don't like the way I think people perceive me to be. And I think I, I, I come across, like I care more about productivity, you know, money, um, my own agenda than I do about people's, you know, hurts or cares or, or their interests. And I think I like was able to look down the road and realize where that would lead me. And I think, 30 years, 40 years. And I didn't like that. And so, so what that looked like was, I think a daily decision to, to die to self, you know, submit to Christ and allow him to do the work. Um, and where you've hurt people in the past and you kind of feel like maybe you've, you know, they've counted you out of the game. Um, you know, don't worry about the track record and just start living, um, the way that you feel like God's calling you to. And I think I've seen in my life him do amazing things, amazing one eighties. Um, and I hope to be able to share more about that, you know, in the future. But, um, I just want to encourage anybody that's feeling like they've already kind of messed that up and just say, you haven't, you, you can't do anything about yesterday, but today's a new day. There's his mercies new every morning. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Hey, I did want to talk about one other thing before we, we switch gears into this RV talk, which I'm excited about. Um, and that's just something that uh, dur- during that season, uh, Mark and I kept quite a few houses. It was probably 25% of what we bought. We kept as rentals. And um, th- there was a, a real end game there. And that end game was to uh, really based on the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, if you haven't read it, so um, not, it's not a biblical book, but I think the concept of passive income is really strong. And so the, the, the end game was to create a passive income stream that was, that was strong enough and reliable enough that it would, it would, uh, exceed our, our need for, uh, monthly, uh, expenses. So, so then it would ultimately give us freedom in life so that we wouldn't have to keep doing 20 houses a month or whatever we were doing and, and continuing to, to live a crazy a lifestyle. And so, um, that worked out well for Mark and I, and it, it, we, we certainly, we overplanned. Uh, we did not need to, uh, buy near as many as, as we did, uh, to, 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 to reach that goal. Um, and that's something like the passive income thing. It's actually something I've thought about doing more podcast on because, um, it's kind of unique to not a lot of people, uh, experience what, what I've been able to, and Mark has been able to. But for me, I, I sometimes think that uh, believers push back on some of these thoughts of like, oh man, uh, you're supposed to, God made us to work and why wouldn't you keep working? Like passive income is just a way to like, you know, coast in life and, and all those things. But 
man, I just think there's a lot of power and I think Christians ought to be encouraged more and more to, to work towards passive income, to, to delay gratification today in their lives. So as David Ramsey would say, live like no one today so you can live like no one tomorrow. Right. And, and, and very similar to that, it's like, man, take delayed gratification today, buy those income producing properties or invest in passive income streams so that at some point you don't have to wake up every morning and go to a job in order to pay your bills. And I don't say, see, listen, here's, here's the crazy thing. I started that journey very selfishly. This goes back to like our talk about a Fredericksburg idol, right? My, yeah. my, my goal in passive income was so that like at 35 to 40, I'd have it and I could do whatever I wanted. It was my life. Mm. You know, so I you could, could get it. So you could live that life, man. I could, yeah, I could do whatever I wanted, man. Nobody could tell me what to do. I didn't. And then, and then thank God. Uh, and this is why it's so important that through this journey, you have to stay grounded in Christ because if, if not, then the, the, the lies of wealth will, will creep in. And, and, and as I think it's in Matthew where he's talking about the seed that's choked out by the worries of this world and, and, and the richness of the riches of this world will start choking you. So you don't hear the voice of God anymore. But for me, God, God shifted my focus. It was like, no, no, this is a real opportunity for you to not have to work for money. You can use that money now to advance the kingdom and you can work for the kingdom without having to require anybody to pay you. Right. It reminds me of Apostle Paul. I don't know if it's in, it's in Thessalonians or, or Corinthians, but where he mentions that he has the right to take donations. He has the right to, uh, to take uh, from people to do the work of the Lord, but yet he doesn't do it, right? He doesn't do it because he's able to fund himself through, his, through other means. And I think that's a lost art among believers and something that, man, I would just encourage people to really get financially intelligent in their life. Because I think, I can't imagine what it would look like if hundreds of thousands of people in their mid-40s to early 50s were financially free, not having to go to a day job every day and put money, put their time and energy into chasing money at the expense of some owner or some, you know, working for someone. And instead, they could have the money they need coming in passively and really focus their lives on building the kingdom of God, I think it would be an unbelievable thing. And so I know it's just something I want to encourage people to think about more. Yeah. Yeah. We're a big proponent of that too. Like Carrie and I, um, we, we love to encourage people who are thinking about that, like getting that house, you know, that first house that's and turning that into a rental and kind of playing that long game too. That's been really instrumental in our ability to do this trip this year too. Um, and if you look at it, like the, the time is what you can't get anything, you know, you can't get your time back. So if you can redeem any of that for family relationship, whatever God has for you, um, then that's, that's the real, I think, value um, and I don't think it's to downplay people who are working the nine to five. No, not at all. Cause you, you may be, you may be at that particular place. Like we were talking about earlier when I was working um, for you guys doing the houses, like I was there, there for a reason. There are trades that I worked with um, when I was doing that job who I still am blessed by um, not a lot of them that I'm working with, but relationship wise, um, I had one text me the other day and just say, Hey, thanks for all that, uh, you did. You know, I was, I was talking to the other guys and we were remembering good times. Like when you worked, I was like, I, I, 
I was so blessed by that because I don't remember doing more than just being me and being a light and trying yeah. to, you know, do the best job I could. And so out of that care, I guess someone else was blessed. Now that that's an open door where I can, you know, minister to someone in the future or whatever it is. So, you know, wherever you're at, you know, there's a call of God on your life. But I think what Jeremy and I are talking about here is opportunity to create less of those restrictions um, in the future. So, um, yeah, I'm you know, not wherever you are. Yeah. I don't at towards. all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't at all think uh, everybody should quit their nine to five or somebody's wrong because they work to retirement. Uh, what you I'm saying, stuck. what's you can that? Get stuck in that. You can get stuck in that though. It, it, it gets, it, it gets monotonous to where you're just doing, you're just doing because you, you've always done and there's no, there's no, there's no goal. So you guys had the plan of like, Hey, we're going to work towards this goal and everything that we do is going to be in alignment with that goal. So I think what people should avoid is just going around that cycle, waking up, going to work, coming home, you know, and repeat without any sort of, you know, plan and, and financial planning is, is, is a major one for redeeming that time margin for yourself. Yeah. For me, it's about options, right? It's, it's, and you don't have to be uber rich to create passive income. You could be uh, two school teachers and over the course of 10 years or 15 years buy 10 houses that are all mortgaged, but in 15 to 30 years, they're all paid off. So that when you're in your fifties or early fifties, you now have 10 houses that are making a thousand dollars a month. That's a hundred thousand dollars a year. No, it's $120,000 a year. My math isn't very good of, of passive, of passive income. Doesn't mean you, you have to quit teaching. It just means that either number one, you can be more generous with the money you have. So you continue to teach, but now you can be more generous with what you have and you can support ministries and you can do the things that God puts on your heart financially. Or it could also mean that when God does put something on your heart, you have an option to do what he puts on your heart versus being stuck and having to do the nine to five. That's all it is. It's just options. There's no judgment in somebody that's working or not working. There's, and, and it's interesting because I've had this discussion with some, with some, um, I've actually recommended the book, rich dad, poor dad to some, some strong believers. And I've had people really push back on me and say, well, that's not godly God, You know, the, the word of God says we're supposed to work. And well, let me just say, nobody's saying because you have passive income, you're not supposed to work. Am I, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. putting in 40 hours a week or close to it. If not more, some weeks on ordinary men, I'm still worrying, not worrying, but still working on the, I mean, passive income is never truly passive, still putting my time in to make sure that all that income is still there, but it gives me options yeah. and gives me freedom. And I, I, I guess I'm maybe going down a bit of a rabbit trail here, but I think, um, I think when we are, when we have no margin in finances, when we haven't planned our finances properly, when we're, when we're, when we're stuck in our, our job because we have to go because we have no other option, it makes it really hard to hear the voice of God in our life and lives and do what he's calling us to do. That's all. Yeah. It that, makes us busy. Yeah. It, it takes, takes any additional margin that we could use for him and leaves us kind of exhausted and just kind of in a cycle of, you know, but yeah, I agree with you, man. That's some good nuggets. Watch yeah. out, Dave Ramsey. We're coming for you. Yeah, man. Ramsey, better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? Better than I deserve. <laughs> <laughs>